Let's take our hymn books now and turn to him.
<laughs> Great job. All right, if you go to Nehemiah chapter 6, go to Nehemiah chapter 6, and I think I'm on here. I'm on? Yes, okay. All right, Nehemiah chapter 6, we're going to look, uh, begin at verse 1 tonight, and I do appreciate it. I always love hearing family sing. Every time I, I see a family and hear a family sing, and my mind goes back a bunch of years, and so uh, I start thinking about the girls when they started singing. But Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1, going to read quite a few verses, uh, just look at this story. And just, you know, as we get into it or as we begin into it, I just... Uh, my thought, one of the thoughts here tonight is that we ought to, really ought to concentrate or really ought to think about praying more for anybody that makes any decision in the church. And, and by that I mean uh, somebody maybe comes in and gets saved and uh, somebody decides to get baptized or maybe a, a couple that, you know, starts to come to church. And, and uh, you know, I've warned them and warned them, you know, when you start out and you take that stand for God and you're starting to grow, you know, there's going to be battles. Well, uh, this, this passage, I think, is going to help us see uh, how to fight that battle, but also it just reminds us that we need to be in much prayer for anybody that's taking a step of growth for God. Uh, and Now, that includes all of us, but, but you know what I'm talking about, those that are just really stepping out. Uh, they, because the old, the old world, the flesh, the devil is going to attack them. And so I want you to look at verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, Now it came to pass when San Balat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. That Sanballat and Geshem uh, sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sword, and I answered them after the same manner. Then sent Sanballat his servant unto me in, in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, and thou mayest be, the, be their king, according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shall it be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Then I sent unto him, saying, There is no such thing done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it, may, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaim, and the son of Deliah, the, uh, the son of uh, Mehitabel, um, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God, wherein the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. And, and so if you don't understand, he's saying, you know, come, come into the temple because somebody's going to come slay you. Slay you. And, and I said, should such a man as I flee 
Who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in, and lo, I perceive that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so, and sin that they might have a matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sambalat according to, the, to their works. And on the, on the prophetess Nodiah and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. And in verse 15, so the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. Father, I pray that you bless. And there's a lot of verses and, and hopefully we're able to follow it clearly. But, but Lord, I pray that you please guide my mind, my thoughts here tonight. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee and I ask you please, please help me to say what, what you'd have me to say and say it in the way that you'd have me to say it in the Spirit of God. I yield myself that I might be a help and blessing to someone here tonight, please. In Jesus' name, amen. This is, uh, you know, it's a little bit lengthy uh, of a passage, but what we see in this passage is Nehemiah, and if you're not familiar with this book of Nehemiah, but Nehemiah uh, has gone back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and, and, uh, and he's going to accomplish it. We just saw this. He's going to accomplish it in 52 days, which we won't have time to go into all of this right now. One day we'll do more of a study on Nehemiah and all that he did, but... but uh, what he really did to rebuild the walls was incredible. For that to be done in 52 days, the organizational ability alone uh, must have been amazing uh, for this man called Nehemiah. But, but uh, so we see this Nehemiah, but what we also see is the method that the world, the flesh, the devil attacks anyone who is doing a work for God. And that's what's so good about the Scripture. The, the, the Word of God gives us these people like Nehemiah and these illustrations like Nehemiah. But what he's doing is he's laying out. And he's saying, I'm writing this for all of, uh, all of humanity that through all of history you'll be able to see because the, the, the world, the flesh, the devil is going to come after you with the same type of attack every time. He's going to come with works, and, uh, and uh, Satan will come with that which works against humanity, and he finds these patterns, and he goes after it. Now, it doesn't work all the time, but he finds that, that this is the way to, to attack man. But in this passage, not only does it show how the attack will come, but it gives us a, a really great recipe for overcoming that attack. And that's what's so wonderful. It gives, you know, it's, it's one thing to see in the Bible that, that you know, negatives are going to happen, but it's, it's incredible when you see in Scripture where God teaches us how to, how to make it through it. And that's where we amen, somebody? I can't even get an amen back here right now. Wake up, man. All right. The, uh, but notice in verse 1, the work is being done, but here's what you got to notice almost immediately. The work is being done, but it says it's not complete. The doors are not up. Now, if you read it quickly, you think the gates are not up. But no, it says the doors of the gates. And, I, and I'm, I'll be honest with you, I, the way that I've read and studied it, it seems to be that there is a door inside the gate. There's a major gate, but then there's a smaller doorway. And, and why you get that far and don't have the doors up yet, but I guess in any project, you know, certain thing, you can't get the doors up until you get the gates up. And so... Um, 
but, but the doors are not. But God is working in the, and here's the whole concept. If God's working in a life in here tonight, or maybe they're not here tonight, but, but in our church, God's working in a life, in a family, in a husband and a wife, and if they're growing, uh, that's a wonderful thing, especially for people who are newer uh, in, in Christianity, newer in church, newer in this whole what I preached about this morning, this whole thought process that we want to have uh, for God, you know, get a biblical world thinking in our mind. We want to get the right thinking in our mind. And, and people are stepping out and saying, okay, I want that. Obviously, where we're headed was not working, and what this looks like, this is going to work. And so we want to go that way. And, 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 but here's the problem. They, no matter how far along they are, the wall might be up, the gates might be up, but probably the doors are not up yet. They're not quite there yet. Uh, commitments have been made to, to a direction of life, but, the, but the, the doors are not up yet. The, the walls are being built, the gates, the doors are not up yet, so the life is still vulnerable. You see, so long as there's an open door, anything can come in. I don't think anybody here tonight is going to leave your door wide open when you go to bed tonight. Anybody? No, because we, you know, I mean, you say, well, I got walls all the way around me, so I'm safe. And I got my windows shut. But if the doors are open, we still got a problem. Now, in the early years of, of our marriage and our growth for Christ, we came so close so many times to going back into the world. We wanted to serve God. We were excited about it. But there's no human being in here other than me and my wife that understand how close we came to going back. So many old friends, so many old places, so many old thoughts, so many old habits. It was so, it was a battle. And you know what we were doing is in those early, we were just, man, we were working so hard just to get a wall up. But all the while we were building those walls up, the gate was still open, the door was still open. We kept fighting the battle that I'm going to describe, and one day we finish the gates. Praise the Lord. That's the good thing. You, you look at it and say, man, that, that's pretty scary. But, but hey, we, we've got the gates up. Amen? We've got the doors shut. Now, this does not mean that, it, that I can't or Joe Beth can't or at any moment we can't intentionally go back and open the door. Anybody in this room could go back and open the door. At any moment, we can, and we got to understand that. You, know, you can never get to the point where you just think, okay, I got it made. No, that's about the time you're going to stumble and just really fall. The building of the wall, though, when we start to build a life, and, and, and you know, truthfully, this is one of those where I almost you know, want to flip and, and preach it on a Sunday morning because then uh, some of those that are on a Sunday morning would, would be able to hear this. Uh, but I want for us tonight, if the one thing I wanted to cause us to do is to understand the battle that some of the people that we're already falling in love with, that they're kind of new and they're coming in, they're already fighting that battle. They're fighting it right now. 
And, 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 and they may be looking pretty solid, like they've got some pretty good walls up. But can I tell you, uh, since I've been here, uh, the, there, there are those, and, and even in sitting in this room right now, that we may look like we've got some pretty good walls up, but, the, but the, the, the door is still cracked open. We've got to pray for each other. Pray God's protection, and that's one of the reasons that so often pray that God would just wrap his arms around us and, and be a mighty hedge of protection to us. You see, the building of the wall always catches the attention of the wicked one. The moment you start taking a stand and building, you catch the attention of the wicked one. So many start to build and stop on their own. But the one who has made a commitment to serving God in their life, in their family, will bring the attack from family. Listen to this now. When, when you make that commitment and you start to, to, to make that growth, to building your walls and getting ready to, to set the gates and to set the doors, you know, when you're getting ready to do, when you're trying to do that, that attack's going to come. But listen, here's, here's the scary part. It comes from family. It can come from friends, it can come from others, it can come from acquaintances, it can come from people you don't even know, but the tax going to come. And, and it'll, that, understand that these, are, these people that are, are not the enemy, but are used by the enemy to discourage you and to draw you away. And how they do it, here's what they say. They, they say, um, you know, come watch the game tonight, missing one night's not a big deal. Here's what they do when you're just trying to make that stand for Christ. They say, come with me uh, to the lake this Sunday. Missing one Sunday's not going to hurt you. And they say, come to the party Saturday night. It's a late night, but hey, everybody deserves a break. And you say, well, man, you know, is that really an attack? You don't understand how much of an attack it is. It is an attack. These are the kind of statements that almost got us. Because, listen, anything that you're going to really grow in and stick with, you've got to commit to. You see, this is what they said to Nehemiah, and they said that Samballad and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Hey, and when they want you to come to Ono, you better know it's going to end up in an Ono. It's going to end up bad. And that's what they do. It's, hey, come with us. And that's the way they approach you first. They don't attack you about what you believe anymore. No, they're just going to throw out the hook and try to get you to go with them to the party. They're going to throw out the hook, try to get you to go with them to the lake. They're going to throw out the hook and try to get you to go with them and cook out on Sunday night because it's a beautiful evening. They're going to get you to do everything they possibly can. They're not attacking what you're doing. Truth is, they'll probably tell you, oh, that sounds nice. That's wonderful. But come with me. Come to Ono. Now, why? Because in Ono, the Scripture says they thought to do mischief. They may not even realize it, but what they're really doing is they're not just getting you there to socialize. They're getting you away from God. Here's the answer, though. It's a pre-planned answer to those that might want to tempt you, or maybe this has been said to you, or you've said something like, or had something like it said to you. Uh, It comes in verse 3, and he said, I sent messages unto them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? 
You know what? That's really where we started crossing over, where I started looking at people and saying, I can't. I can't. Hey, and I was pretty extreme. I'm going to leave anything and everything to go to church. And you say, man, aren't you a little bit extreme? Hey, let me just throw it. It's going to be, uh, forgive me, we're in the South. We're in the South, but, but uh, watch this. This summer's coming up, and you know what you're going to have? Family reunions. And you know when they have family reunions? On Sunday. And they have it when it ain't time for you to go to church and get to the, sun, the, the family reunion. But it's just one Sunday. Do you understand how you get out of church? You understand how you do it? You miss one Sunday. You know, we back when we had the sailor ministry, I'd have families come in there, and, and it's, it's a pretty extreme ministry. Uh, if you could, ladies can imagine this, you know, a family, a young couple, they might have been married six months, but they come and join my ministry, and you know what you do on Saturday night? You get four, five, six sailors, and you take them home with you for Saturday night. Well, that's pretty extreme. You know, most of the world thinks, okay, you're, you, you're crazy to do that, but that's just what we did. We had 16 at our house one night. 16 sailors in our house plus our uh, six girls. And, and of course, you said, now how'd that work? Well, you know, we had our girls downstairs in the basement uh, and we had the boys all upstairs. Uh, reason I remember 16 because we only counted 15 and made 15 beds and had one guy found him in his pea coat in the hallway um, uh, because uh, we only made 15 beds. But it was. Uh, uh, you know, it was, it was an incredible time. But, you know, there were so many families that would come in and they would understand, you know, we did it. So, hey, man, you know, okay, it must not be that bad. And you know what they'd do? They would start housing sailors and they would do it for months, some of them for years, several years, and never think a thing about it. That's just what you do. Every Saturday night, we're going to come home. We're going to bring sailor boys home and, and uh, we're going to, you know, play ball and we're going to eat and we're going to get up Sunday morning and have a big breakfast and go to church. And, and man, it was a great thing. All it took, though, was for that one of those families to leave out of the ministry for three or four weeks on, on illness or vacation or something else, and they get out of the routine of it, and they almost never came back. And I'm telling you, they would say they loved it. They loved it. They loved it. They loved it. They loved it until they got out of it. Now, nobody here to come to church do you have to feed, you know, a half dozen hungry boys. But it's just, you have to understand, this is something God commanded us to do. And it's so vital for our existence that we're faithful to it. And whether I'm a good preacher or not, the truth is, is this is where we learned the Word of God. This is where we inspire each other and encourage each other to keep on for God. This is how we learn the truths and the principles that are life-changing. And they understand now they will continue. They don't give up easily. He says they, they send unto him four t- more times trying to tempt him, but he would not. And I can just say to you, uh, look, they're going to come after you. 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 I'm so proud of you, Kobe, uh, uh, Jesse, uh, coming here on Sunday night after Sunday night after Sunday. You know what? And I guarantee you, there are some running around with, with, with you, Kobe, that probably have said, Man, it's a pretty evening. We could do something else. And if it hadn't happened, it's going to happen quick. 
But thank God. Because you know what you got to do? You just got to make a decision. You got to make a commitment. I kind of knew where Kobe was headed. Hopefully he doesn't mind me talking about him because I really don't care if he does. But the, uh, but when, when he said, when I said we're going to Africa and he said, I want to go. And not only did he say he wanted to go, but he got the money together and he went. And I got a feeling if I said we're going back again, he'll be going again. I hope. Because I'm trying to get him paid for my bill. But so, but you got to commit to something or the, anything that you do that's in and out and in and out and in and out, you never really grow there. And that's why there's a fallacy. People say, well, well, I went to church and it didn't do me, you know, and I, you know, everything. No, it's not just going to church. It's committing to the Word of God, to the, to the principles of God. You see, you got to get ready because next is a different sort of battle. Next, when you won't go with them, what happened next is, see, now they're just inviting you. Come, come party with us. Come play with us. Come cook out with us. Come go do this. Come do that. Come, oh, yeah, yeah, just, and it's always Sunday night, Wednesday night. It's amazing how many things go on on Sunday night, Wednesday night. Amazing. Sunday morning. But when you won't go with them, when you take a little bit of stand there and won't go with them, here's the next thing. Then they'll criticize you, mock you, and accuse you. You see, then they're going to come back, those same people will come back and say, you think you're better than us? What, you, you're holy all of a sudden? They'll question your motives, or you're just going bec- just because? This, will, this attack will often weaken us, and this is where we really need to find God's strength. And that's where you find verse 9. Look at verse 9. They'd come with this critical attack now and accusations. Now in verse 9 it says, for they, for they all made us afraid. Can I tell you what he's saying here is that it does affect you. We can all act like it doesn't affect us, but it does affect you. It has an effect on you. And he says, they made us all afraid. Their hands shall be weakened from saying, their hands shall be weakened from the work. That it be not done. Now, understand this now. That's the ultimate goal. It, if you got friends right now, and they don't go to church, and I'm not saying be mean to them, but I'm, I'm going to just tell you, here's what happens. As you grow spiritually, there's going to be a greater divide between you. And what they're going to do is they're going to they're reach back for you, and they're going to keep trying to pull you to their life. Because watch this now. Uh, when... When your life becomes a form of conviction to them. And so they're going to try to pull you back because if you do what they do, they're not going to be convicted. You're no different than they are. But when you say no, then they're going to accuse you and they're going to attack you and they're going to mock you. You just think you're better than everybody else. Did I say that? I didn't say that. I'm just not going to go. 
But you just think you're better than everybody else. You're above everybody else. You're some, you're some holy, you know. You, you, you just think that, that, that you got some special thing with God, huh? Uh, no, no, they'll come like that and they'll attack you like that. And at that moment when you stand again, you gotta, you got to understand how they come after you. I just, uh, but when they do this, it says, for they, they all made us afraid, saying their hands shall be weakened from the work that it be not done. And that's ultimately their goal. They're trying to get you to fail at being a Christian. And here's what they're going to convince you. It's easy. It, it, look, you're going to fail at being a Christian. We've already proven it to you. So come to us and succeed at not being. And can I tell you, you can succeed at not being a Christian. That's real, that's not extremely hard. But look what he says is, he's now, now therefore, O God. That's a simple prayer here. He says, now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. He says, they're weakening me, God. And you know what he does? He just stops and says, dear God, this is hard. These are old friends. These are old friends that, that don't understand why I'm not going. These are old friends that are now attacking me because I'm not going. These are old friends now that are turning against me, and it hurts, and it weakens me. Dear God, strengthen me to keep doing what I'm supposed to do. You say, Brother Hooker, what are you preaching? I'm, preaching? I'm not preaching. I'm testifying. This is what we had to live 40 years ago. What we had to do 40 years ago, and it's amazing the different things you decide you're not going to be part of anymore, not because you're better than anybody else, but because of the direction it's going to take you and where it's going to take you if you get involved in it or stay involved in it. you got to get out of it. When God strengthens our hands, this does not win the battle. It gives us the strength to fight on. For next, there is a spiritual and emotional temptation. This is amazing. If you really have ever lived through this, you realize this is the pattern that you go through. For next is an, a spiritual and emotional temptation. Anytime you have been emotionally drained and, and you're weary from the battle, the real danger is now. Good night. Could somebody grunt for me or something? Hiccup, cough, something. Thank you. I just want to know you're breathing alive. The spiritual and emotional temptation, honestly, when you get drained emotionally, you're weary, that's the real danger. Many of us are willing to fight the attack from without, but we get incredibly weary from the attack within. And you see the next attack, there's a temptation to compromise. Look down at verse 10. Verse 10. Because up to now, I've been kind of describing people that, that don't understand what you've decided to do because they're outside. Now look at this. It says, afterward, I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehitabel, who was shut up, and he said... Listen to this. Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. 
And let us shut the doors of the temple. Now, listen to me. This is somebody that professes to be a Christian. They're inside. They come in this house of God, and they say, hey, ease up. I know, you know, the old guy gets, you know, kind of red face and gets excited, and, and you know, looks like he's going to blow a fuse in his brain. But it's not really that big of an issue. Don't get too extreme. You know the greatest danger to a new convert is a backslidden Christian. It really is. It's when somebody that's going to church whispers to them, don't get too carried away with this. It's good we go to church, but, you know, that's about as far as we're going with this thing. How would your best friend right now react if you looked at them and said, I believe God's called me to the ministry? How do you think they would react? I'm talking about your best friend in the church. Do you think they would look and say, wow, that's incredible. You're going to serve God with your life? Or would they look at you and say, hey, come on, man, you're getting a little extreme now. You know you don't make much money that way. Hello? One of the great things that hurt our college, Bible college students was Bible college students who poured cold water on their life, on their decisions. One of the great things, that, and I'm, I mentioned this to you last year before we went camp, one of the great things that hurts uh, a young person who is really on fire for God is mom and dad. Because <laughs> we throw cold water on the decision they make. Mm-hmm. How are we doing, y'all? This is the real subtle, dangerous attack. It comes from the religious, the fellow Christian. The temptation to skip church comes from a fellow Christian. The temptation to go to another church that doesn't have Sunday night services comes from another Christian. The temptation by this spiritual person that says you don't have to be so extreme. Or man, you're living at the church. Do we have to go so much? Do you have to go over there so much? This is the temptation of compromise. But it does not come from the world. It comes from inside the church. See, that's where it was. It was happening to Nehemiah. It was coming from inside the church. Then there's the emotional compromise. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 11. Look at verse 11. It says, And I said, such, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And he's not saying, I won't go to church. He's saying, I'm not going to run in there and hide when God has a work for me to do. I'm going to keep doing the work God's called me to do. The temptation will come just to cut and run. 
It'll come. You just feel it. You get beat down. You get beat down uh, emotionally. You get beat down by uh, these, this spirit of compromise that keeps getting thrown at you. You get beat down by, it seems like, uh, this comment was made to me the other day. Somebody said, you know, they're, they're living in the world. This Christian's living in the world. But they seem so happy. They seem like everything's going good. Listen to me. What seems to be not, is not always true. And it doesn't matter if they got a million dollars. I got to do what God has called me to do. Got to live according to the word of God. Because let me just warn you, I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how high you go as a politician or how powerful you become in business. Listen to me. Be sure your sin will find you out. The temptation will come just to cut and run, and this is the moment you have to have the guts and determination to never quit. I thank God for my old preacher that said never quit. Never, 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 never quit. And I still I say it, and I thank God over and over again for the, 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 the one compliment more than any other compliment I get from my wife. And I, and I started to tell the truth. The one compliment I get from my no, the, the that I get more than anything else, the fact she looks at me and says, Rob, you don't have an ounce of quit in you. Listen to me, folks. I may not be the best preacher. I may not be the best administrator. I may not be the best leader. But let me tell you something. You just got hooked up to the wrong guy because I don't give up. I didn't come here for a while, and I didn't come here to try it. He set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem, God said. And can I just say this? I want to thank my daddy because somehow my daddy put that don't quit in me. And I just, I I thank him for that because I I believe it's been what a little bit of uh, whatever I've become in in life, I I thank God. It's been, it's not been the talent or ability. It's been for one thing. It's been for the fact that whenever the fight comes, we just, we just stiffen the jaw. We just keep on going. And finally, you got to keep your divine vision and discernment and determination. And you go to verse 12, it says, Lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and son Ballot had hired him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so in sin, that they might have a batter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. Can I go back to this morning? Please, please, young people, younger Christians, please do this. Before you make a decision that's going to lead you away from God, lead you away from church. Forgive me, but, but lead you away from church. It's going to lead you to, to do something, even if it's going to lead, if, if it's a job, okay? In this world we live in, job takes precedent over the church. Sports take precedent over the church. But I'm going to just tell you, listen, you can't get out and give God, and, and I made a decision a long time ago, I'm going to go to church. 
When I went to Bible college, I went to a place and everybody, they told me that uh, the, in order to have this job, I had to work 12 hours a day on any day I wasn't going to school. And, and everybody had to work a 12-hour shift, either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, and, and I went in there and I told them, I can't do that. And they, they said, well, we want to hire you. And, and I said, I can't, I can't do that because I need to go visiting on Saturday, but I got to go to church on Sunday. And they looked at me and said, why would we do that for you and not for everybody else? And I just looked at them and just forgive me, but this is me. I just looked at them and said, because I'm going to be better than everybody else. And they said, really, you think so? I said, I know so. He said, is that cocky? No, because I had something they didn't have. I had God. And it wasn't a real hard job. It was catching shoplifters. And the very first month I was there, they gave me a trial period. First month I was there, I caught more people than anybody else in the other seven stores. And they thought, you had a good month. You're you're in training and you caught more people than anybody else. And and I caught more people the second month and I caught more people the third month. Forty out of 44 months, I caught more shoplifters than anybody else in in all their eight stores. And watch this now. We usually had three men on duty every hour of the day catching shoplifters. And so, listen, I'm not bragging on me. They asked me, how do you do this? We want you to train the rest of our security men. Not only did they do that, they gave me the schedule they want. I didn't have to come in until 2 o'clock on Saturday. I worked part of the day Saturday, and I went and worked 2 to 6 on Sunday. I did my 12 hours, but I had to break it up. Nobody else did. Everybody else covered for me. You know why? Because the Jews owned that store. And they wanted their money, and they wanted somebody who was going to catch people that was taking their money. And they called me and they said, you got to train everybody else. And the corporate attorney said, how do you catch people more so, double, triple what everybody else is catching? And I said, well, you really want to know? And he says, yeah. And I said, okay, it's, um, it's a positive attitude. It's persistence. And it's prayer. And he looked at me and he said, you pray that people steal? And I said, no, man, I don't pray they steal. I know they're stealing. I pray, God, let me see them. He never had me train everybody else. But that's what I did every day. I just walked back and forth on that cow on the praying, Lord, you got to help me see them. You got to help me find them. And while I was there, I got to win 13 people to Christ at that place. And, and, and when I was a junior in college, I went to Calumet City to a church to preach on a Sunday night. I got asked up by one of the employees who they didn't have a pastor, and, and, and they asked me to come to the church. And, and as a, a college student, college gave me permission to go there, and I went over there. And it started at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. You won't believe this. Run by a Jewish family. They closed the store 10 minutes early because 13 employees wanted to come hear me preach. Do you understand that, listen, the whole world will attack you, but you got to decide, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do for God because God's got a better way. Amen. And God says you got to be able to perceive this danger. Now, now if I could do anything, I'm going to pray into you and I'm going to beg God, give you eyes to see 
and ears to hear what's really going on. Get perception. Too many people are too gullible and get, get sucked in too fast. You say, how can, I, how can I do that? Because, and I've had people tell me, I, I just have this tendency just... You know, I, I just get, I get that. I just get drawn in, and I know I shouldn't be there, but here I, now I found myself there, and I'm all messed up. Let me tell you what to do. Whenever you're tempted to do that, you come, as I said this morning, for counsel. You call me night or day. If you're getting ready at 2 o'clock in the morning to go do something, you call my phone, and you keep letting it ring. If you can't get my phone, you come to my door, and you beat on my door until my wife comes to it. And so... And you, you come and you say, I'm about to do this, should I? And just watch what I tell you and do what I tell you. And I don't want to have to tell you. But I want to be able to, if it will protect you. When we have the courage, determination, wisdom, and discernment, we will be able to say with Nehemiah in verse 15, so I believe we apply it to a life here. So the life was finished. You see, he said, so the wall was finished in 25th day of the month Elo in 52 days. And we just say, you know what? Nehemiah did just what you did. I just applied it to a life, to a family, to a marriage. And you know where we ended up? Finished. You know what that means when it says finish? Gates are up. Doors are up. And the only way somebody's getting in now is if we open it up. So please pray for each other. Because we're all at different levels of growth right now. And none of us has reached a perfection. And at any moment, anybody in here could open that door. You may have shut it a long time. You may have put it on its hinges and put it up. And it may be as sturdy as it can be, but boy, if we don't pray for each other, there could be a night of temptation where you walk over and unlock that door. Man, you don't want to do that. We've got to pray for each other. But especially pray for those you know that are they're coming, they're building, they're getting strong. Here, let me just say this, and I'm done. Here's the fallacy that we've had for a long time. If they came and they started building the walls, and part of that wall was they started dressing different, and maybe the guy maybe cut their hair different, maybe the lady dressed a little different, we think, man, they must have the doors up, bars up, gates up, everything up. They're okay. Oh, no. No, they need to be prayed for right now. No, that's part of just building walls. No, when you get the door up is when you're saying, I'm committing my life because I choose to. Because I believe the Word of God. Father, I pray you bless tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us.